Stand by for the hook. Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner, Vice President of Agency Communications at Crispin Porter and Oguski, the most awarded advertising agency in the world. Every Tuesday at the intersection of advertising and PR, The Hook, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting-edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. Now, here's your host, Katie Kempner. Hello, I'm Katie Kempner. Today is Tuesday, January 31st, and you're listening to The Hook, where each week I talk to advertising, branding, and public relations insiders who are both leading and covering the industry. Hopefully, by listening to these thought leaders, you will find inspiration and new ideas that you can use in whatever it is you do. So please join me Tuesdays at 2 o'clock at the intersection of advertising and PR for The Hook. Today, I am very excited because I will be talking with Edna Johnson, Head of Corporate Communications for Burger King Corporation, both domestically and internationally, she's the Head of Corporate Communications. She is a very busy woman, and I am thrilled that she has taken the time to talk with me today. Prior to Burger King, Edna was was the Vice President of Public Relations for the CNN News Group, where her responsibilities extended to CNN, Headline News, and CNN.com. Before that, she was also a tenured professor at Auburn University for more than a decade, and she began her career as a newspaper writer and a four-time winner, and she is a four-time winner of the Associated Press Writing Awards, where she won first place each time. So, it is my great pleasure to welcome you, Edna. Thank you for joining me. Oh, Katie, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, you know, recently PR Week listed the top ten things of 2005 that affected the industry, and one was you moving from CNN to Burger King. I can't imagine how they came up with that. You and your middle I'm name, baffled. which I don't, can I say that? Can I not say that? Should I just call you Edna? <laughs> I'll just call you Edna. <laughs> so listen, you know, I thought when we, we, we started out, we should talk a little bit about your career. It, it's pretty amazing because you've really done three very, it's almost like you've had three very different and separate yet all interrelated careers and been extremely successful at all of them. Can well, you maybe take us through how you started and how you got to where you are today? You know, I, I, I've been very fortunate. As, as, as we say in the South, even a blind hog occasionally finds an acorn, and I think I've found, I think I've found a few acorns along the way. I've, just, I've been very fortunate. I've had good friends who've helped me make some changes along the way, but you ask a question that, that I, I have been asked many times, especially in recent years, because I have made three rather dramatic shifts from being a newspaper reporter and then editor to uh, college journalism, and then from there to public relations in uh, um, corporate America. So uh, it's, it's it's a track that generally interests people, and I think particularly things that that people have asked me revolve around uh, their own interest in making changes. So if if you're interested in that, I'll, I'll... Maybe give you a little insight. Absolutely. I mean, well, let's start first. So first, you were a journalist. You're, you're, right. You were on the other side, and you were a journalist. Right. What led you from that to a totally different kind of lifestyle, you know, being a professor? You know, I wish I could say that, you know, the stars in the heavens opened up and there was a eureka moment. There, there really wasn't. A, a friend of mine who 
had been in the journalism school with me as an undergraduate, and then uh, we ended up in the same city, and we're working at the same, uh, well, actually, competing newspapers. We're both, in, but we were friends. And she called me one day, and she said, "I heard, I heard Auburn University is looking for a journalism professor. I think you'd be good at that." And I thought, "Well, why not?" And there's, so there's, there's no more of an epiphany than that. No, no, it was it's it's really embarrassingly dull. So I thought, sure, why not? I was really very naive about it. I, I, yeah, I'd like to teach. And my frankly, my daughter was young, and I thought, oh, you know, college journalism professors—they just prop up most of the day. I'll go prop up for a few years while she's little, and then of course I found out that they that weren't not the dark. case. No, I didn't get to prop up, but I it it was a it was a very different experience to go from being a newspaper reporter, newspaper editor to academe. Yeah, I, I sure. was I was a despite my southern drawl, I was I was you know a, a, a little bit of the you know sandpaper around yeah. the the university for a while mm-hmm. um, because I wasn't I wasn't quite used to the. The rarefied atmosphere, but I, I grew to really enjoy it. And then, I mean, to go from that into corporate PR. That, that was a very interesting switch for me. I, I was tenured. I had been promoted. I was chairing a number of committees, which is a big deal at universities. And I had a PR consulting business. And a couple of job opportunities had come along, sort of fallen into my lap, which is what I most prefer is for things just to fall into my lap. But and he doesn't. <laughs> But this uh, this uh, opportunity at CNN came along, and I decided that I was very interested in it. As I began talking to my colleagues around the university, not one single solitary person said, what a great move. They all to a person said, you're crazy. You're kidding me. I would think it would be such an exciting move. Why did they think you were crazy? Too much work? They Mainly, they said, you've got a great life. You're a tenured professor. You have employment forever. You're, you're doing this and you're doing that. Why would you give that? You're crazy. I mean, I heard you're crazy probably a dozen times. Well, you are a little crazy, Ed. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, well, well, we're, we're talking about changing your job. Right, right. So... Yeah. But you you made the jump anyway. I did, and it, it rattled me because the people I respected, whose counsel I had turned to over the years as I was working at the university, said, you're making a terrible mistake. But, I, you know, I knew ultimately for me that it was the right thing to do at that time, mm-hmm. and I'm very glad I did it. I was a, I was a little bored with what I was doing, and I I found myself being more interested in consulting in what I was doing outside the university and what I was doing inside the university and that's just not that's not right it wasn't right to the university for the university it wasn't right for my students it didn't it, it I wasn't feeling all the things I should feel about my job being challenged and that sort of thing so despite um, my university colleagues saying you're crazy I you know I took the leap so I, I want to go back to talking about CNN but first let's get to where you are today so then how did you end up going from CNN over to Burger King I, about, oh, six months or so before I actually came to Burger King, I had decided that I was, I was ready for a new challenge, that I was ready to do something else. And frankly, I, I looked at probably a dozen different opportunities and Burger King was absolutely the right fit for me. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, 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 I always describe it as a 50-year-old startup. It, 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 
uh, a business that's 51 years old. At the time I came, it was 50 years old. Um, it had been a distressed business for a number of years, and very dynamic new leader, Greg Brenneman, changing everything. The business was already very much on the upswing, and it, it was it was the right fit. I think most jobs are about chemistry, yeah. and it was the right chemistry. What, what is the, what's your favorite thing about, about this job that makes it so exciting, or, or one or several of them? Well, of course, it was, it's, it's different for me. I'd been at CNN, and so I was, I was protecting and promoting the CNN brand, which is a news brand. This is a consumer brand, so right. that, that was interesting to me. It, it's, it's a change. Um, it was, as I said, it's, it's a fascinating, far-reaching business, but it's not... Stayed. It's not locked into its course. Uh, a course, you know. Greg has done very dynamic things with the company, and so there's there's energy here. There's excitement here. People feel like they can try new things, do new things. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a great advertising agency called Tristan Porter. Really, <laughs> really, I've heard of them. Um, yeah, it's this remarkable agency that's cutting edge, and that's exciting to be associated with that kind of energy. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's been an amazing ride. It certainly has working with Burger King, and you guys are very, very um, willing to take, you know, smart chances and really look at everything we present, and it's it's exciting to, to work with you guys. I want to ask you a little bit about your main responsibilities because I know – you know, both domestically and internationally, you're the head of corporate communications. So what does that actually mean in terms of your day-to-day responsibilities and, like, what a, what a day, a typical day looks like? For, well, I shouldn't say typical. What a day looks like for you? My day actually starts rather early, I'm sad to report. I, I typically check, get onto my email about 5.30, quarter to 6 in the morning because oh I will have emails from international emails. And uh, so Germany, Spain, UK, uh, restaurants, do you plan to open in, in the UK in the next, the next year? Well, that's something we don't, we don't release. In the United States, reporters would accept that. They'd say, we get it. We, we understand you've never released that. You're not going to release it. In the UK, they wouldn't accept that as readily. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't. That that, that would be uh, met with a pretty negative reaction from the reporter. They very well might go to competitors, to analysts, and they will speculate to the point that it almost seems like a hard number. Mm-hmm. So it, it may come out well. They're expected to open this many. So in in our dealings with the press in the UK, we have to work very closely with them to be sure that they don't speculate in a in a way that's inaccurate, um, and that, yet that would seem accurate to readers. That's interesting. What, what about internal communications? Is that also an, a part of your job? Um, yes, yes. And I, the Internet changed everything. How long, is it, how long ago has it been now that the inter- Internet changed everything? Ten years ago? Yeah. You know, everything um, internal is external. There, there is no such thing, in my estimation, anymore of a, you know, a memo, an internal communication that remains internal, yeah. and, or, and 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 bloggers, everything has has changed. So I look at internal communications in many ways as external communications. The good news is 
generally, I think it's made companies more transparent. How do you, I mean, that's, that's a very interesting point because we were talking, I was talking last week with two PR people, friends of mine, about the Internet and blogs and I guess I, my, and internal communications. And I, I guess I have a couple questions, but my first one is, you know, how do you, how do you, and how does Burger King make your employees, because they, they can, they do have access and they can be everywhere at once and they can be on blogs. How do you make your employees ambassadors of your brand? I don't think you can make your employees be ambassadors of, of your brand. I think you have to win over your employees just as you do your consumers in, in whatever area you're in. I mean, you, ha- you have to court them. You have to, to, to win them. And one of the ways you do that when you're in my field, is that you communicate with them. People like to know what's going on in their, in their company. It makes them feel more a part of it. They are more a part of it. So it's, it's treating um, employees first with the dignity and respect that you would treat the, your, your consumers by telling them what's going on. So, for example, um, if we were going to debut, uh, we were going to launch new advertisements. Mm-hmm. that our great agency had done, we, we very well might show those all around the company before they actually debut on TV so that people can see that. that may, they, they get excited about that. Um, I think that you have to be honest with employees now. You know, long gone are the days, I think, that companies can risk either not telling employees anything or shading the truth. Because, as you say, there are bloggers, you know, there's email. People will find out the truth. And I think when employees get to share in the excitement of what a company has done, you know, they're, they're included, they'll become ambassadors of the brand. I think most people want to be ambassadors of the brand they work for. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent point. So about blogs a little bit, because I'm really trying to figure this out for myself. Does Burger King have any sort of um, corporate policies about whether their employees can, can you know, speak on blog, write on blogs, whatever? It could, can they blog? Yeah, is there words, any sort of corporate blog? policy about that? I, I'm sure we do have employees who, who blog. What we ask our employees not to do is represent the company. Mm-hmm. So here's what we're going to do at Burger King, or this is what Burger King thinks, or... This is what's going on at Burger King. We ask them not to do that. Um, and, and that is true every level of the company. We, we ask people to essentially be mindful before they represent the company externally. Beyond that, I think it's impossible and would be a waste of time and energy to try to control um, blogging because plenty of people blog. I, I mean, I'm sure, I don't, I'm not, I don't know exactly, but I'm sure that we have lots of bloggers who blog about all kinds of things that are important to them but that have that are employed here but that have nothing to do with Burger King. Right. Do do you spend a lot of time looking at blogs that might be related to Burger King? No, I, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um there are I, I have no idea. I'm I'm sure there there you know, dozens and dozens, thousands and thousands of blogs on the food industry. Mm-hmm. You know, every once in a while I'll I'll do a search. We'll look around, um, but not. No, I don't. 
Yeah, I'm just wondering because we we do we do spend some time looking around at blogs, but at the same time, we don't necessarily participate, but we're you know interested in what what people are saying. So, okay, we are going to take a short commercial break. I love saying that. I I feel so official. We're going to take a, <laughs> a short commercial break, and when we come back, I would love to talk a little bit about some of your experiences at CNN. That so would we be will fun. be right back. What happens when super affiliates hit the glass ceiling? They develop RevenueGateway.com, the ad network developed by super affiliates for the affiliate marketplace. Tap into the most powerful and intuitive system designed for ROI, exclusive tier one advertisers, highest industry payouts, bonus rewards, and rock sun on time payments. Looking to be creative or need mentoring? There is always someone there for you live 24-7. RevenueGateway.com, the secret to your success. RevenueGateway.com. For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. PR Web is the pioneer in online press release visibility. Think beyond search. Online visibility is what really matters. PR Web's exclusive online visibility engine delivers your message to your customers and major media outlets. Get the credibility and attention you deserve. Think online visibility from PR Web. PR Web, the only major newswire service that drives quality, measurable traffic to your site. Katie Kempner. Talking with Edna Johnson, head of corporate communications for Burger King Corporation, both domestically and internationally. Edna, welcome. Thank you, Katie. So we had been talking about some some of uh, the things that you do at Burger King, but I was also interested in talking with you about your time at CNN. I know that when you were there, you were the vice president of public relations for the CNN news group, and you were responsible for the publicity and strategy and direction of the CNN networks in the U.S., headline news, and CNN.com, right? 
Yeah, and yeah, CNN US, Headline News, CNN.com, CNN Radio. It's a big group. And, and it's a big job. And also CNN Public Information Department, right? Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about what, you know, what, what that actually entails on a day-to-day basis? You know, CNN is a, is a, it was a fascinating place to do PR because much of what we did was guided by the news of the day, which, of course, n- no one could plan. But we, we had two missions, and one was to generally proactively promote the programs and the people who would be on CNN. Mm-hmm. The other was to promote our coverage. So some of that we can plan, we could plan, and some of that we couldn't plan. Isn't that, I mean, and it seems to me like that sometimes would put you in kind of a strange position because some of the things that you're promoting, which are the biggest news, are, and you've mentioned this to me before, are, are tragic situations. Yeah, in fact, CNN, like all news outlets, does best when there are big breaking news stories and of course big breaking news stories are typically tragedies yeah. the, the 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 space shuttle explosion 911 you know the the war in iraq um, those are the kinds of times that cnn excels and we we had to struggle with and make our way through saying we're great we do great things we're the best and yes, we understand people are dying. Yeah, it it, it was a, a difficult balance. I could Im- I could imagine that. I wanted to talk. I was fascinated. We've talked before a little bit about um, the war in Iraq, and I think since there was so much, since we were, you just said that a lot of it had to, you know, a lot of CNN and news coverage has to do with covering tragedies or difficult situation, war. I mean, how did you prepare for the Iraq war since, in a way, it's crisis control. However, you knew it was coming. Yes, which is a very good point, Katie. It was almost a a planned crisis. We felt very confident the war was going to happen, but we weren't absolutely certain. We didn't know when it would start, and we didn't know how it would unfold. So it was a, a crisis that we knew was coming and we could try to plan for. We had several big challenges as we looked at that. One was the most obvious, and that is the action. You know, the news would be taking place uh, across the world from Atlanta, our headquarters, and it would be happening. Most of the action would occur when we were asleep in Atlanta, or supposed to be asleep, and it would, for that reason, it would go on really 24 hours a day. As people in the United States were waking up, they'd want to know what had happened overnight, so we knew immediately we would have to staff our public relations operation 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. We, we, we knew that there were potentially very bad things that could happen on air. This was going to be the first live War. I mean, that war unfolded live on television. We didn't know what that was going to be like, so we isn't had that to good. Prepare. I mean, isn't that good though, in a way, in the sense of it just bringing in lots of viewers? It it did bring in lots and lots of viewers, and and we knew that would happen, um, and and that predictably happens in any big news crisis. You right. know, we didn't know how big it would be, but we knew it would be very big. Um, one of the challenges that we we knew was going to happen, to be perfectly candid, was that. Our competitor, Fox News, or one of our many competitors, Fox News, right, was 
had had ascended in the ratings was uh, on a on a regular basis getting higher ratings but typically before the war in Iraq CNN garnered higher ratings in times of crisis than our competitors so we maintained our ascendancy as the world news leader we were concerned and felt like because a, a war was going to play out over a long period of time that for the first several days or week or so we would probably be, you know, the ratings leader, and then things would go back to the typical what what had become typical, which was that one of our competitors would would lead. And so we we had to think about that in our planning because we knew we'd be asked. And and so so and, and the backdrop again in all of this is in and people are going to be dying potentially our own. Um, reporters, people that we were all very fond of, our colleagues that we worked with every day, and they were going to be in harm's way. So it was to take the long-distance view, it was fascinating. It was a fascinating time. Living through it was not fun at all. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that it's, it's so fascinating, though, I mean, to, to have been involved in something like that. And I think I want to just ask you one more thing about crisis control, because, so I mean, so much of crisis control is timing and having access immediately to key people, which, of course, in every situation is different and generalizations would be hard, but are there any sort of best practices that you took away from your time at CNN that might be interesting for us to hear about? You know, I think what I learned at CNN uh, probably reinforces what, what all of us in this field already know, but that is in, in a crisis whether in CNN's case it was covering the crisis or in another organization's uh, case when it's part of the crisis, um, immediate communication is essential. Someone in, in authority or several people in authority, I believe, need to talk with the media. That it's not a time as much as someone like, I would love to get to be center stage at a time like that. It's, it's not appropriate. The people who have responsibility, who are in charge, need to talk with the press. And they need to be on, as honest as they possibly can be because the truth will out. And, you know, we, we watched that over and over again at CNN as, as we were covered or as we watched CNN cover other organizations. Mm-hmm. You have to respond quickly. You have to be truthful. And you have to let people who have real credibility representing the company talk to whatever the crisis is. Right. Okay, well, we'll end our CNN conversation on a, on a happier note. I'm just wondering, I mean, you must have been privy to so many wild situations. Is there any anything that happened there or any specific thing that you can remember PR-wise, like a story that didn't turn out as you had expected or is one of your favorite stories? Oh, my goodness. You know, <laughs> there, were, there were wild stories every day. I'll tell you what uh, amused me most um, from – Really, from aside from PR issues, uh, the the uh, customer relations, the, the the outlet of CNN that interfaces directly with viewers, mm-hmm. um, reported to us, and we used to get some sort of routinely amazing calls, and that that used to. Um, I'm trying to be diplomatic here, if I possibly can be, but. Um, you know, we, we were frequently called by Jesus. God called us a lot. Um, aliens. <laughs> um, we, we had just, you know, a host of regular callers who called CNN and, 
you know, offered us the world view from their on high position, and I, I it it was fascinating to me, just fascinating. That's very crazy. That is really, really. Let's let's go to something talking about fascinating. It's almost Super Bowl time. Okay, I'm I'm switching gears. Yep. Was like there was no segue. I'm majorly switching gears. It's almost Super Bowl time though, and everyone is so fascinated by Super Bowl spots. And Burger King has a spot in the Super Bowl, and everybody's been calling us to try to get it. Why do you think that people are so fascinated with the Super Bowl? You know, I think we PR people in general do a pretty good job of getting consumers really interested in Super Bowl advertising. Yeah. And it's, I mean, companies do tend to put a lot of resources toward Super Bowl advertising, so they're the best advertising, it's the most creative, it's the showcase, so it's the, you know, it's, it's the um, fashion show in Paris. It's the, you know, Southern debut, uh, the debutante party. It's the Oscars. It's the, it's whatever um, big event we can use to characterize it. But, but viewers, TV viewers, know that the best and brightest commercials are going to debut that evening. And, and you know, from my observation, there are plenty of people who aren't necessarily interested in the Super Bowl, but they're sure interested in the advertisements, and they watch for that very reason. So do you think it's a very useful place to be then? I do. I do. I mean, I, th- I think that, uh, and I'm not a marketing expert by any stretch of the imagination, I, I think for Burger King it's, it's, uh, it's very smart right now. I, 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 d- I think that companies need to be mindful of their overall strategy rather than, oh, gosh, we happen to have a lot of money and we can throw it at the Super Bowl. And, and I think marketers are very savvy, very smart about that now. I don't, I don't know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, did people just say, oh, Super Bowl, we can, we can get it out on the Super Bowl, therefore we'll do it. But I, I think companies, because it's so expensive now, do take a, a strategic look at it and decide that it's going to be the right, the right outlet. And then, so then, how are you able to take something like having a spot in the Super Bowl, you know, and parlay it into as much media as you can? Well, what what PR's job in a situation like this is to get other media outlets to write about or broadcast, talk about, just like you and I are doing right now, talk about uh, the Super Bowl advertising. And when I stop and think about, it, I think. For example, USA Today, which is one of the largest circulating newspapers in the country, proactively called us and said, we've heard you, you have a Super Bowl ad, we'd like to write about it. Right. That's, that's huge. Yeah. You know, that's huge. And so because the Super Bowl advertisements are so watched, then newspaper, radio, television want to talk about it in advance, want to talk about it after. This is a... a, a Pretty easy pitch for PR people, I think. Yeah, no, I think I, I actually I definitely agree with you. But now, what about what? What's the best way to get a journalist? I just want to pick your brain here for a second. Give everybody a little bit of a chance for some good information. What about when you don't have something like a Super Bowl spot? What do you think is the best way to get a journalist interested in a story? You know, I think the best way to get a journalist interested in any story is the relationship that already exists with a journalist. 
And I say that because if I, as a PR person, know, know the journalist or the journalist outlet, whether it's TV, it's radio, it's a website, whatever it is, if, if I have a relationship with that site, I know it or that newspaper or that TV program, I I know it. I know what they cover. I know what they like. And then next, and even better, I have relationships with an individual reporter. The reason I think that's so important is because if I have something I want the media to cover, you know, a new uh, new Burger King product, uh, um, you know, uh, some sort of corporate announcement, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. what's invaluable to me is being able to call one of the reporters I work with closely and say, hey, I want you to write about this and have enough of a candid, open, respectful relationship with that person for the person to say, you know what, I wouldn't, I'm not going to write you that because, or if you would only do this, then I'll write about it. And if if I don't have the knowledge of the publication or the the outlet, and then I don't have the relationship with the reporter, I'm not going to get that kind of feedback, which will in turn help me mold all our, my other pitches. It's interesting. I got an email from uh, a, a, a colleague. Uh, he's a reporter at the Denver Post, and I got this email last week, and he said, I am sick and tired of PR people who pitch me endlessly about things I would never write about, I have a new rule. I'm not taking any of their calls. Wow. And, I, and he said, you know, I've been talking to my friends in the newsroom. We just, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. They call us and they want us to cover things that we would never cover. I don't know who these people are. I don't know whether they have any credibility. He was really very passionate about this. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, it's all about relationships. Somebody who had a relationship with that paper and that reporter would never have done that. And he'd still be taking phone calls. Yeah, no, I think you're so, so right. And, I mean, I take my relationships with journalists really seriously, but I also think that, you know, do you have any tips for somebody trying to – because I I think I think the relationship between PR people and journalists that cover whatever business it is over and over is a very interesting one because, on the one hand, it has got to be based on honesty – Yes, and it has got to be, you know. But you're not. You don't always have the same goal. No, you don't always have the same goal. But you both need each other. Exactly. Which is perfectly reasonable to admit. But to, to get back to your question about tips, this is going to sound very old school, but I'm going to say it anyway. My number one tip would be that PR people need to be top flight writers. It, yes, it's all about the relationship, but behind that relationship, behind the pitch, mm-hmm. is probably a press release, information about the thing, and most journalists are good writers. Even if they're broadcast journalists, they work off written scripts. And, you know, I've always called it club membership. And PR people need to be part of the, the journalist club, and they need to be able to write the way they write, and I can't emphasize that enough. I think it builds, it builds respect. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, and again, this all sounds so 101, but my journalist friends tell me constantly that they don't see this as much as they should, but so it's, it's it, good writing. I'll add to that just understanding how broadcast television works, how websites work, 
how newspapers work. And just a real, just an understanding of, you know, when when deadlines, what they are, when when they really happen, what you know, who the editors are at newspapers. How does how does that work? Yeah, you 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 would be. I mean, it's amazing that people don't just try to figure that out right away. They don't. They don't. You know, reporters will say, "I've heard so much of." You know, I'm not going to ever take a call from X outlet before. They call me, I say I'm on deadline, and they keep talking. Yeah. You know, and they, they think I'm making up this deadline. Of course, then reporters will sometimes say I'm on deadline when they're not. So, it, right. it, you know, it takes a savvy PR person to say, You're not on deadline. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> um, it, you know, it's, it, but the other thing you touched on, Katie, that's so important and that I think the public kind of misunderstands about PR sometimes is that, Honesty is paramount. Yes. We must never tell a lie. Right. And reporters will get the truth, and that ends the relationship. Yeah. Even well, because if, they if don't there's print no it. trust, what is there? Exactly. Exactly. So, I, you know, I, I think a lot of what we as PR professionals do just boils down to being trustworthy and in, in knowing our business. And, you know, I, I don't think that's happening as much as maybe you or I would think that it is. I think you're absolutely right. Let, I want to ask you one more question about pitches, and then we have to take another bre- break. But you had said good writing is such an important part of a pitch. But do you have any advice for people when they're putting together a pitch? You know, it used to be people would put together these pitch letters that really read like letters, you know, Dear Katie, and, and, and really... Because we're back to the Internet. The Internet has changed. Everything moves so quickly. I think pitches now should be written almost um, as news stories or with bullet points. They need to be very well written, but the first paragraph needs to be the news hook. In Mm -hmm. other words, telling the outlet, whether it's a website, whether it's radio, whether it's TV, why this is newsworthy. And that's always been important in pitching, to, but it's even more important now because media outlets are absolutely inundated with pitches because anybody can pitch now via yeah. email. Um, it's, it's, it's much different, I think, for these reporters than it used to be. So I would say that in crafting a pitch, the shorter the better, only the facts, no fluff, and descending order of importance, that old inverted pyramid from journalism, most important to least important, and don't get tied down in some, well, this is, you know, it's an email, but it needs to look like a letter. You know, bullet points are good. They work well. Um, It's also very important in a pitch to tell the reporter what the access is going to be and to characterize it. I can get you 10 minutes with our CEO who rarely does media interviews. Whatever that characterization is, sometimes we in PR think that the outlets who cover us realize, oh, well, their CEO never does interviews. You know, they're covering a lot of organizations. So I think we, if we're good, we characterize um, what we're going to give them. And, and then we must be really mindful in that pitch of not over-promising something that we can't deliver or of indicating that it, it's somehow exclusive to that person when, in fact, every media outlet in the country is getting the same thing. Oh, yeah, and that's a huge mistake. Uh, you, you'll never get another chance if you know, that ends up happening. No, that's, so that's great right. advice. So we are going to take one more commercial break, and when we come back, a few more questions for 
Edna Boone. <laughs> it's all about links, baby. Content is king, but links are what you need to get you those all-important organic search listings. Float to the top of your keyword listings within the major portals while driving targeted traffic to your website at the same time. Work with a company with a proven track record for delivering results for thousands of individual website owners and major Fortune 500 companies. TextLinkAds.com is your source for securing relevant links. Baby, TextLinkAds.com. Like the idea of gambling and winning with someone else's money? How about cashing in with the house? Sign up today with PartyPoker.com, the world's largest poker room and poker affiliate program. Cash in on one of the most lucrative and fastest growing industries for webmasters. There's $10 million paid out to webmasters every month. The world is your oyster and every hand is a winner. Wouldn't you like a slice of that pie? PartyPoker.com. Betting on the house makes you a winner every time. Contact Alex L. at PartyGaming.com for a great deal. PartyPoker.com. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearch searchmedia.com today commercials off stand by for the hook now here's your host katie Kempner. hello welcome back today i am talking with edna johnson head of corporate communications for burger king both domestically and internationally hello edna hey katie <laughs> so we were talking a little bit about um Pitches right before I went to the break, and the best way to do pitches. And I have over the years honed my skills, but made many bizarre attempts at getting attention. Some of them working better than others, sending different kinds of things. Or what? What is the craziest thing you ever did to try to get a story place? Wept. <laughs> you know, I um, I will have to admit I'm so dull and old-fashioned that, in having come out of um, you know the journalism background, you know better. That's what you're saying. I just haven't ever done that. I um, I you know I've I've, I've aggressively pushed before, but. You know, never, never sent a, a waiter in tuxedo and and uh, carrying a silver tray full of chocolate or anything. Okay, so then tell me. So now I'm not sharing any of my messed up stories since you're not sharing yours. You don't have any. What you probably did? I'm sure you did great with do. those. <laughs> what I said? I'm, I'm sorry. You probably did great with your your. Those pitches can be very effective. I've just no, 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 no. Actually, they were really. <laughs> Practically never effective. <laughs> I've learned over time. What is the biggest mistake that you think, though, that people make when they're trying to get a story placed or continuous media coverage? You had mentioned not knowing, you know, specific relationships to journalists, but I mean, like, broader, like, you know, positioning their company not in the best light, that type of thing. You know, I, I think that sometimes... Um, we in PR, and maybe because our you know executives want to see coverage, 
we go we we run under the assumption that well, gosh if they're they're writing about us that's that's great and you know we're riding high right now and you know we've got record this and record that and I think we really always have to stop and take a step back and look at the long view so you know if company X says oh we're going to really get everybody right about the fact that we've got the the best something or another right now really need to stop and think well what happens when it's not the best yeah. and when, when when is the worm going to turn when it turns what's that going to do i wanted to ask you just sort of more um more broadly i mean so many things are happening you know you had said how long has the internet been around we've already spoken about blogs there's all different new types of technology that are developed and are being developed and you can get information on your cell phone and you can download information from the web what do you think are the biggest challenges that PR people and companies are facing right now with with growing technology I think one of the biggest challenges are, are what we call leaks, and that is um, any company has a big announcement, has a press plan. Um, there's going to be a new product or, you know, a new this or a new that. It's very difficult not to, for that not to leak out via, um, you know, some sort of internal communication that gets out, somebody who blogs, somebody hears through this way or that way, and it's so easy now to bring that into the public's mind and forefront. You know, you think about, you know, if, if uh, just some small website somewhere and then with Yahoo and Google and search and, and, and suddenly people become aware of what 15 years ago could have been kept under wraps. And, you know, the, the media, of course, wants to be, every publication, every broadcast outlet wants to be first. So if things leak, then a lot of the thunder is silenced. And that is what I find to be one of the biggest challenges is that, you know, keep it communicating, as we talked about earlier with employees, keeping them informed so that they become brand ambassadors, and at the same time keeping that information from leaking. It's really tough. Do you think that there's any, you know, is there anything that people can do, or you just have to sort of adapt to each individual situation? I think that, that we, we have to adapt, and we almost ahead of time now, we have to have two plans. One is, if we're able to keep this thing quiet, here's how we're going to execute. The other is, okay, if it leaks, here's how we're going to execute. And that's a real challenge, I think, for a lot of PR professionals, especially who've been in the business for a while because they used to be able to function the other way. Yeah. We're going to plan. We're going to lay out this strategy. It's going to go according to plan. That's just not true anymore. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're 100% right. And uh, I, I have to ask you, you know, you have had, and we've talked about, you've had such an amazing career, three careers, three careers rolled into one, and you still have a lot more to do. What advice can you give to somebody that is not happy with their job or isn't where they want to be? I mean, what, you know, what can they take away from the roller coaster excitement of your job? I know you had said you always look for new challenges, but okay, now I'm rambling. What advice can you give to people 
from your own from your own career that maybe can be helpful? You know, people people have asked me that very question, and I've given it some thought over time. And I think the key is to have full confidence that I can do the job I want. So instead of concentrating on well, I'm in this kind of job right now, I'm in this role, and it would be such a stretch for me to move in this role, and I'm, you know, I'll have to spend a lot of time if I ever get an interview talking about how I can overcome that stretch. You know, I've kind of always said, forget it. I know I can do that job. And it can be, it can be a leap of self-confidence. And I think for people who want to make a, a career change, they have to take a leap of self-confidence. And it's hard. To do, it's that's hard, hard to do. Well, what motivates you then? What motivates you? Um, you know, that paycheck is a big motivator <laughs> for me. Um, you know what? You have to say more because I'm trying to be sort of like Barbara Walters-esque oh, right now. <laughs> what kind of tree would you be? No, exactly. You know, what, motiv- what motivates me is uh, something, change, different. I, I don't want to do, be doing the same thing. 20 years from now, I could be in the same company, but I want to new challenges, new opportunities. I'm, I am really driven and motivated by change, which lots of people aren't. You know, they, they, they like um, being able to be, get in a role and stay in it and absolutely master it. I'm okay with moving around and doing different things, and I think it really engages my, my brain. Uh, one of The PR people I regard most highly in this world once said to me, I'm still learning in the job I'm in, and that's a great thing. And I thought, yeah, you know, if you're still learning in your job, that's a great thing. So I just want a job where I'm learning every day, corny as it sounds. Wow. No, that doesn't sound corny. That sounds terrific. That sounds really wonderful, and I want to thank you. Edna Boone Johnson for joining me today, taking time out of your schedule. I had a lot of fun. I hope you did, too. I had a blast, Katie. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. You, too. And thank you for listening. That's all we have time for today. But please join me next Tuesday for a very special Super Bowl recap when I'm joined by Stuart Elliott, advertising columnist for the New York Times, and Barbara Lippert, advertising columnist for Adweek, and hear what they thought about this year's Super Bowl spots. Thank you, and have a fantastic day. Bye-bye.